Welcome into the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. I'm your host tonight, Eric Eager, along with the sharpest college football predictor, predictor, better DFS fantasy player, uh, et cetera, et cetera, that I know. Ben Brown. How's it going, Ben? It's going well. I think I need to come up with like my MO or something. I don't really have like the prop king or anything Well, I, like that. I came up with uh, a professional expectation setter, was yeah. I think what I said on the forecast. <laughs> um, and, and apparently people find that hilarious. You need to come up with like the the Minnesota Maven or the Minnesota oh, Maverick man. or something like, like to, that. I feel like I need to leave the Minnesota behind or something though, right? Yeah. Even though they co- the Gophers covered on Saturday, but you have they, shown me the ways at least with the Vikings and how to, you know, yeah. move on from the sins of our fathers, I guess. My my um my Minnesota skepticism was only overcome by my Nebraska skepticism on Saturday. And so we were I we didn't do well betting the early games. Saturday, except for Minnesota, we bet money line, we bet spread, and we did so uh, very heavily. Uh, let's say right. um, uh, our Chanticleers did not come through against the spread, but they did continue their undefeated season. Uh, I kind of like them this week, by the way. I know you're going to probably talk about that on Saturday morning. Uh, I laid some some Chants minus three uh, for the brand. For the um, brand, you got the shirt yeah, on. Yes. Everything else, I mean, they're basically your new favorite college football team at this point. Yeah. So you got to back here when you can. Yeah, why? Why? Yeah, exactly. And and we're gonna gonna get another opportunity. We'll talk about this later in the podcast to fade the Nebraska Cornhuskers this time on a Friday night uh, against Greg Schiano's Rutgers uh, team. But uh, let's talk for a second here about how to navigate the betting market when it comes to the college football playoff. Uh, first off, this I think is a great year to let the markets set your initial gauge on things because as we saw on Saturday night and and there are plenty of people we like and respect uh, at ESPN so this is not a really a dig towards them they're trying to do something that I don't think you can do well in a year like this but they were they were basically setting odds for you know, sort of a probability of making the college football playoff. And, and obviously the, the big one was the fact that USC had a bigger probability uh, of making the college football playoff than Clemson. Clemson was under 50%. Um, and, you know, as somebody, uh, you know, obviously, you, you know, Ben, you know, our, our stuff is the, is, are the numbers that are used by Steve Kornacki on Football Night in America and the, and the NBC halftime show. I I painfully go over these things to make sure that nothing is egregious like that. I can't imagine a producer sort of seeing those things and not going back to the numbers people and saying, are, are you sure? Right. Yeah. I mean, it is the thing, but I mean, 2020 has brought some really weird things to college football. So I feel like, you know, if you're putting things out there, that obviously is uh, – need for a double or triple check on certain things just to make sure it passes the eye test but like we've kind of talked about like we had you know culture ball simulation and stuff like that last year the things with the scheduling how you're going to play into the fact you know like certain teams are only going to have six games or you know other teams are going to have 11 games people want to overvalue iowa state you know in particular just because they played essentially a full schedule at the expense of like a team like ohio state who hasn't necessarily played you know all that many games to even qualify for the big 10 championship game unless they adjust the rules so um there are a lot of dynamics in 2020 which makes doing you know a simulation based prediction for odds uh increasingly difficult i would say it is you know a difficult task in and of itself 
uh, you know, in any year, but at this point in time in 2020, especially in college football with so much unknown, it is, uh, you know, quite difficult to hit right on. So, and we maybe are seeing just a little bit of that play out in like our college football playoff projections at this point in time. I know a lot of people are upset with what was released on Tuesday night. Uh, where do you kind of see, you know, the top 10 rankings? Where do you think our, you know, rating system stands a little different from where they're at currently? Yeah, just to briefly talk about your your point about this. So, for example, you know, the last two seasons we've done a college football playoff, um, you know, predictor. And, you know, our model, you know, 2014 is when the college football playoff started. Luckily for us, that's the first year we collected data uh, at college football uh, to 2019. Um, so you're talking about five seasons, six, six seasons. And these are the things that I actually put in as you know obviously team conference seed wins conference whether or not you made your conference title game whether or not you made the conference title and then strength of schedule that kind of thing the problem is right ben like all of none of those things matter this year right Right. like none of the you know so you know every single team that's made the college football playoff since 2014 has had 11 or more wins except for oklahoma right In, in 2015 well, that doesn't matter right now. So that's a variable that these models are using that's, that you have to throw out, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, we just had a team in the Pac-12 in Washington that didn't play their conference title game for no reason other than COVID, right? Like, so, you know, how does that factor in? And so a number of those things make it so that I think handicapping this from a peer modeling perspective, which was already really tough because you didn't have, you don't have that much data. Think about this, Ben, in our simulation, I legitimately have a, a, a collection of teams called marquee teams that are teams that sort of supersede conferences. Well, one of those teams is Notre Dame, which is in a conference this yeah. year, right? So <laughs> it, it completely screws up everything and not to say that it's impossible to do, but I think your opportunity to make an error is so immense. And right. and look, you know, no one's betting those numbers that they're putting out. But there, you do have to. I, I think uncertainty needs to be uh, stated here. And, and and so when we look at our numbers, for example, so here here's how we have it. We have the we have it in our PFF ELO rankings. We have Alabama one. We have Clemson two. We have Ohio State three. We have Notre Dame four. And then it's kind of murky. We have Georgia right. five, Florida six, right? Florida Texas beat A&M Georgia. Yep. Florida we, beat, we, beat yep. Georgia, but then Florida lost to AM or sorry, Florida lost to LSU. AM is right below Florida. And AM beat Florida early in the year, right? So it, it's a tricky situation. Priors matter, especially in a year where not that many people play games. But I what I think here it is a great testament to our ranking system, Ben is it's almost the exact order of the implied national championship probabilities at, for example, FanDuel, right? If you look at the implied national championship probabilities, Alabama's first, which we have, Clemson's second, which is what we have, Ohio State's third, which is what we have, Notre Dame's fourth. And after that, it gets a little bit murky, but Texas A&M is... You know, Texas A&M is fifth in the college football playoff, but in the implied national championship odds, they're actually, what... Seventh, seventh behind yep. uh, Florida, who we have at six, and Iowa State, who we actually have in our ELO rankings as 16th. Why do we have them as 16th? They lost to Louisiana Lafayette by three scores. You know, so right. and then they also lost to uh, Oklahoma State uh, in a game that we had we bet and we needed a a, a fortuitous backdoor cover there. Um, 
that that that's also a thing. Oklahoma is right at eight. They're also eight in our ranking. So I think modeling this with Elo was almost a better choice than sort of trying to do the math here, uh, you know, the way that some others have. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you on that. And it does, obviously, we're not taking into account, you know, some sentiment work that, you know, people are putting into the market that I do think comes into play in the college football playoffs, some of the things that they're trying to do. But um, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, we're looking at um, our ELO rankings in comparison to the national championships odds at this point. I think they measure up basically one for one. We're a little bit off on certain spots in the college football playoffs. Texas A&M, you know, seventh versus fifth, I think, is a spot that, you know, I think they are probably the most likely team to get in if we don't see basically the four who are all but set in stone at this point in time to actually get in. I do think that Texas, Texas A&M uh, is probably in that fifth spot with their only loss to Alabama at this point in time. Some other marquee wins as well. Yeah. Um, I could see them getting in if you know a team like Notre Dame or Clemson lost by you know three touchdowns or something like that. But other than that, I don't really think there's too many uh, viable yeah. plays at anybody outside of this top four range. What do you so- think? So do you, yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I, you know, I think Ohio State's obviously a huge favorite this weekend. Um, you know, they they were challenged a little bit last year in the in the Big Ten title game against uh, Wisconsin. Ultimately, they they didn't cover, but they pulled pulled away at the end. Northwestern was a couple of years ago. That was a game that got away from Northwestern. I think the same thing's going to happen this time. Alabama <clears throat> is a shoe in at this point. Last week, I, I was sort of puffing my chest, Ben, that. I bet Alabama plus 120 to win the national championship, and now it's minus 180. That looks sharp. Um, You know, obviously, I don't think minus 180 is really a value right now, Um, but I could be, I could be, you know, steered towards there. The thing with Notre Dame Clemson is is weird, right? So, what do you think happens if if Clemson beats Notre Dame this weekend, right? They're 10 and a half point favorites. I kind of like Notre Dame, frankly. Um, if you like Clemson, it's probably smart. Like, if you like Clemson for the national championship, it's probably smart to like Notre Dame as right. sort of a hedge this week. By the way, um, if let's say this game plays out and and Clemson wins by seven or so, does Clemson become the two seed and Notre Dame the three seed, and then do they just play again? Like, how does that happen? No, I would actually say in that scenario where Clemson and Notre Dame probably win, but there isn't like a clear, distinct blowout victory from either side. I do think that we'll see the loser of this game move down to four. Uh, The other team basically move up to two and they'll play Ohio State in a two versus three matchup with the loser playing Alabama one versus four. So I do think, yep. And is that, is that a, now the Mike Renners of the world, are they going to complain because Notre Dame's getting the crappier seed and is going to be left to be sacrificed by Alabama early this time. You know what I'm saying? Like that that does set up, and they're you, 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 they have sort of a case in the sense of we beat Clemson once. Granted, Clemson's backup quarterback started. Um, do we deserve to be sort of sacrificed? Uh, you know, this way. I I think that's probably the best thing for the entertainment value. I think Alabama, Notre Dame in round one, um, and then you have the rematch of last year's game, which is Clemson, Ohio State. Uh, in that two-three spot, I, I like that. I think that's the best, obviously, outcome for college football. Um, what do you, you know? Uh, but does so, that, you know, in, does that make round one compelling? I certainly think Ohio State, Clemson will probably be right around to pick them again. Right. 
Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing. What's like, the spread when Alabama plays Notre Dame then? Yeah, and I think that is what's kind of interesting with these futures, future odds at this point in time because Alabama is kind of like unplayable where they're at currently in my, from my perspective. Minus 130, we're seeing them even higher than that on certain books. So they're over a 50% implied probability to win the national championship. I would set the line against, you know, their matchup against Notre Dame in the first round, probably like four and a half, five-point spread really. So, I mean, they're going to be decent favorites on – that line but i think you're better off probably just buying into their money line in both games in the you know in the semifinal round and then in the national championship game if you do really like alabama at this point in time that's probably how i would play with it because i don't think uh, these teams are all that separated i don't think that alabama is this clear distinct favorite where they're going to be over a touchdown spread in the semifinal matchup no matter who they play i do think we're going to see probably um like you said a pick them spread between the Clemson and Ohio states of the world, even closer than, you know, basically as close as you can get. And then, you know, four and a half, five, if it's Alabama, Notre Dame, I mean, if it's Alabama, Clemson, I still don't even know if that's going to get out past three points spread at this so, point. In time, so right? do you think, so if that's the case, then you think Clemson being 10 and a half point favorites this weekend is purely about motivation. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Cause I think okay. people understand that if Clemson loses again, I don't think there's any way that they get into the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, they can't, it's you a can't tough lose sell. twice to Notre Dame at this point right. in time and then still get in and still be like, oh, well, we'll play, you know, the best team in the, you know, in the, in the college football playoffs at this yeah. point in time as the four seed. We'll so. actually sacrifice a team. Like, we'll, we'll give it, we'll, we'll throw a bone to a team that hasn't been in for a long time. Um, you know, if they're going to be sacrificial anyway, we might as well throw a bone to their fan base and all that kind of stuff um, for the, for the good naturedness and you know and and you know the the, the conferences like the Pac-12 will no longer have you know much of a say when it's when they say oh the ACC gets a team every year when in reality you know when maybe one's not worthy I I could see that I I will say though I think Clemson is a better team uh, sorry uh, Alabama is a better team than Clemson I think Alabama is probably near a double digit favor against Notre Dame on a neutral though I think just but you know i i could be wrong and 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 obviously that's a case in your in your mind to take notre dame in the round one um that 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 might be a good hedge for our uh, alabama futures um that was a fun discussion i i'm excited for this year i think people who are gnashing teeth about the fairness of it are missing the point uh the fact of the matter is we've gotten college football every single week uh since august and, you know, while it hasn't been pretty and it hasn't been clean and, you know, the players have mostly been safe and, you know, that the product has been pretty good. Right. And that right. was the goal of the NCAA. And to that level, uh, you, you know, not necessarily, uh, you know, through their own doing, you know, they, they've achieved that. Um, and, and speaking of that Friday, we have four games and a few games that offer some value and, and, I look at um, I look at this this Ball State Buffalo game Ben total on it six, 67 and a half. I, I don't think you could pay me to bet the under here, even though I I think our model shows value. Uh, I've been I've been hit by the freight train that is the Buffalo Bulls under for like three straight weeks. Um, this is a game though where I look at it from a DFS perspective. Obviously, you, you know the ultimate fade would be the Jarrett Patterson, the running back. Um, but if you put him in your lineup, I also think, and he goes off, I think you also have to complement it with some of the Ball State offense. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, if he if he goes off and to actually reach the upside that he needs to in order to pay off his outrageous salary at this point in time, uh, you definitely need some ball state action in your lineup as well. Obviously, in some sort of game stack, I think is really the only option. So I do think Truplet is maybe uh, in play with one of his pass catchers as well. Um, but it is kind of a fun slate coming up here on Friday night. Um, we do have, you know, four quality games and college football is kind of getting thin here pretty quick. But yeah, Jared Patterson to pay off his $10,000 salary on DraftKings would need uh, this to be not just, you know, a blowout performance from Buffalo at this point in time. And that's, you know, kind of, you know, where our model leans at this point in time, 13 and a half point spread. We would still probably lean a little bit towards uh, the Buffalo Bulls uh, covering. So from that situation, maybe if, you know, you're feeling dangerous or something like that, you could fade Patterson from a DFS perspective because I do think he'll probably be going off. Uh, at a very high ownership here on Friday night with the lack of you know other options basically in the running back position. When we won two weeks ago in DFS, it was because we took one of the a quarterback. We actually took two quarterbacks in a game where there was a blowout, and the one quarterback was uniquely suited to play from ahead, and one of the quarterbacks was uniquely suited to play from behind. Uh, I think you know not necessarily both quarterbacks here, but I think Plitt and the Ball State passing game has been pl- plucky at times this year. Right. Um, Plus one, you know, one point uh, one four uh, EPA per pass play this year um, in the action games I've watched, uh, they've been uh, not too shabby. Um, and obviously Buffalo over a third of an ex- almost a third of an expected point every time they run the football. Uh, uh, Van Dries has also been pretty good. I mean, eight point four percent of the dropbacks for Buffalo this year have been big time throws. So uh, this is going to be the game. You know, we've had some success laying off games that Greenline likes as unders. It's going to be a decent discussion by the two of us, I think, as to whether or not we actually go full send into this game. Um, you know, because I think, as you said, everybody else is going to be highly owned uh, in this game as well. And then you're you're wondering which deck chairs to sort of pick out of it. But uh, speaking of a game where I don't think anybody's going to be owned, but there might be some value, um, UAB, our Blazers go to Marshall. Marshall, you know, fresh off of two weeks ago, a loss uh, to Rice, um, 20 to nothing, um, in a game where Rice picked them off, you know, three, four, five times. It was it was an egregious game. Um, that They were coming off of a COVID situation where they hadn't played in a long time. UAB is a team we liked a lot in the past, especially last year. Um, we probably lean that way in this game. Total, though, 42. Is anybody really going to be touching this game? Yeah, I mean, definitely not from a DFS perspective. I kind of, you know, have a little bit of intrigue with it just from a betting perspective. Um, I do think it could play probably just a little bit over the 42-point total, and I don't mind backing the Blazers any chance we get. They have had uh, by far the longest football season of any team, it seems like, in college football or the NFL at this point in time. I do think they were in that basically, what, like the kickoff game, Central Arkansas or something like the first game of the year. They've only played eight games since then, uh, and it feels like, you know, two COVID seasons ago or something like that that game kicked off but uh, they've had an up and down year I do think they're a much better team with Tyler Johnston at quarterback uh, he's a guy I've liked basically for the past two years and I've always been looking for spots to back UAB and I think this might be another one on uh, Friday night here at this point in time so I don't know what would be your favorite uh, bet to make on Friday if you had to lock one in at this point in time Eric? well yeah this is going to turn me back to my my alma mater the Nebraska Cornhuskers I <laughs> I'm going to load up, and I already have some Rutgers plus seven. It's six and a half now. Uh, I'm going to and I'm going to take some Rutgers plus two hundred or more. We make the game plus one ninety three. 
the Nebraska Cornhuskers, name me a team that's that's dealt with moderate success worse than my my alma mater here they had a they had a nice little win against penn state i believe they had a nice little win what the previous week and they were double digit almost double digit favors against the gophers at home they were 10 and a half yeah 10 and a yeah half. And, and you know we pounded the gophers there and i think for good reason even though the gophers were out 38 players i mean you know it's college football like the difference between one guy and the next guy especially in a power five school is not that big um and you know Adrian Martinez, Dylan, you know McCaffrey, just they're they're not good. And and you know both of these teams are bottom two in the Big Ten in offense. Nebraska, uh, Nebraska, a little bit better of a defense, but defense doesn't matter. Greg Schiano actually has this team playing fairly well. Um, and so look, they're both bad. Uh, I think the Rutgers Scarlet Knights will be less bad. So that's that's probably my best bet for uh, for Friday night. Um, and, and I think the USC Trojans Oregon Ducks game will be, you know, enjoyable. But I don't think I can even touch, let's say, the under there, which I do, I do think our model has some value. So go give me Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Rutgers Scarlet Knights on the money line. So it's kind of interesting. They have moved out basically four and a half points spread to open the week six and a half at this point. I am seeing some rogue seven, so it might be a spot where if you want to play Rutgers on the on the spread as opposed to the plus 210 money line price, uh, maybe you want to wait just a little bit longer because it does seem like the Nebraska Cornhuskers are getting just a little bit of the uh, movement here early in the week. So we'll see if that continues on or not, but I am seeing some Rogue 7. So uh, maybe we'll wait and get even more action down here on our Scarlet Knights here coming up on Friday night. I think the only opportunity, if it gets to 7, is for us to be doubling down at that point. So we'll see. Yeah, excellent. So, yep, uh, really fun. Obviously, this is the last week before, right, Ben? This is the last week before the Bulls. Um, yep, I think Bulls kick off basically like first thing next week or something like that. So we might oh be man, that, that's that's really some... where the daily betting podcast is going to be, where there's Shining value. Um, every single week, there's or every single day. I'm sorry, there's going to be a game, um, and obviously we at PFF and and we using our PFF Greenline tool and, and obviously the content that, that folks like you and Seth Galina and, and Anthony Tresh do such a good job covering college football. You know, Mike Renner also, uh, um, Austin Gale, who gave us out the, the very sharp San Diego State emotional plus 17 last week. Um, yeah, there, there's, there's going to be a lot of, you know, this has been a weird year. We didn't know if we were going to get college football and we're getting it now and we're getting it in spades. Um, and we're here to obviously help you have some fun and put some skin in the game uh, on, on following this, uh, this, uh, this season. So um, for Ben Brown, this is Eric Eager. Uh, this has been the PFF Daily Betting Podcast.